I'm opening your mic now. Okay. Okay, you are on. You're live. You're ready to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, thank you for having me. Sorry about that. I was having a little technical difficulty getting on. <laughs> uh, yes, um, I hope everyone is doing well this, this evening. Um, we're going to continue going through the book Manifest Destiny, The Path Towards Wisdom. And this week we're talking about knowing your identity. And actually, this this chapter is a, a little bit long chapter, so this is probably going to be two different uh, shows, so one for next week, and then also the uh, finishing it up next week. So last week, we talked about light, life, and love, and I, I thought that was a – I really had a lot out of it myself. <laughs> so, so let's go ahead and open up in our prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and mercy. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your love, Father. Father, um, open up your word to, to us, O oh God, um, this evening. Open up your promises, Father. Uh, give us understanding with your Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us, and direct us this evening. And we thank you for your many blessings, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay. Um, so, again, I, I'm the host of this uh, blog talk. My name is Jameer, and we're going to talk about knowing your identity. Um, and the Bible gives us story after story of individuals, you know, who, who really, they don't know who they really are or their true purpose until our Father reveals it to them. And one of the examples that I've Use or one of the common examples is actually Jeremiah chapter one verse five, and uh, it says, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations." So this is uh, Father God actually talking to Jeremiah, and he's telling him about himself, and so. He was actually uh, giving Jeremiah a mental picture with words and connecting Jeremiah's identity to his purpose. So the image that uh, Jeremiah was uh, getting was that that, um, basically, I'm sorry, Jeremiah's response to this, to um, him being called a prophet to a nation, Jeremiah was basically saying, no, that, that's not me. Uh, there's no way I can do this. And many of us were like that also. And that's because, uh, like Jeremiah, we have an incomplete perception of ourselves or our, or our, our identity. And just reading that scripture, I just kind of thought about Jeremiah looking in a mirror and our father asking him, okay, well, now, what do you see? And Jeremiah, his response was, uh, basically, if that was to have actually Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak, and I'm only a child. So basically, Jeremiah was saying, I'm, I'm not mature enough, and I'm not good enough to carry I'll just command to be a prophet to a nation. And um, I I just don't have what it takes to do what you want me to do, Father. You know what? Our our Father, you know, he he is uh, very creative. (laughs) Uh, He's a master designer. And right after Jeremiah said that, Our father said, he, just, he said, uh, and y'all are probably, I'm sure, familiar with it. Do not say you are only a child, but, but remember what I just told you, that you are a prophet to the nations, okay? So here we see our father trying to uh, give Jeremiah a better understanding of us ourselves we uh oftentimes we are 
tearing ourselves down and pulling our, ourselves down. But our Father in heaven, he is constantly attempting to exalt us. And and he hopes that we would see our identity, our identity who he created us to be through his eyes. Uh, actually, it's in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, verse 18, Paul writes that I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you may realize the hope for which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and the, and the incomparable power available to us who believe. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, if you get a chance to read that, it's very, very powerful. And, Father, he's trying to get you to see through his eyes how he sees you. And our Father, you know, his vision of how he sees is much clearer than ours. Some of us are blessed with 2020 vision, but his vision is even uh, better than that. And so uh, as a result, we have to come to the understanding that he wants us to see how he views us, our identity. Um, besides Jeremiah, another example from Scripture is the prophet Moses. And we know Moses, he performed all those wonderful, great exploits for our father uh, in the book of Exodus through Deuteronomy. I mean, he, what, did, what did he do? He he confronted Pharaoh. He led the Hebrew slaves across the river. Uh, he delivered the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. The prophet Moses, he was uh, far from an ordinary man, yet you know what? Years before any of this stuff, before any of these things happened, I'm sorry. Moses was known <clears throat> before Moses was known as a, a great Hebrew prophet. He had an entirely different identity. He was someone far removed from this great prophet. You know. Matter of fact, the Book of Exodus tells us that after Moses fled Egypt. Um, he rescued a family, a Midianite woman, from a group of uh, shepherds. And when a Midianite woman's father asked the identity of her hero, um, Exodus 2.19 says, an Egyptian man rescued us from the shepherds, and he even drew water for us and watered the flock. So this woman identified Moses not as a Hebrew, but she said he's an Egyptian. And this is how she seen him. That, that was her perception of him. And maybe this was because of his attire, the the clothing he was wearing. Um, I'm pretty sure he might have been wearing, like, the finest Egyptian garments. Uh, maybe he picked up an Egyptian accent. You know, his appearance, maybe with, um, the clothing, jewelry. Basically, by Moses' appearance, he was uh, Egyptian born and raised. But deep within, Moses knew that there was more to his identity. And years later, this feeling was actually confirmed through Scripture. Now, uh, theologians, if you look at the, the timeline of Moses, uh, theologians say that Moses lived in a desert for nearly 40 years before his appointment, the burning bush. 40 years he was there. And after 40 years in one place, you think Moses will call that place home. You know, some of us, we, we move from uh, city to city, and we would call, like, okay, you've been there long enough, you can call this place home. Um, but Exodus 2, verse 22, after Moses had been here for all this long, he says that, uh, or it says as Exodus 2, verse 22, Zephariah, maybe pronouncing her name wrong, but gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, G-E-R-S-H-O-M, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Confusion and frustration. From Moses' viewpoint or his vantage points, 
he was a man from nowhere, and he was living nowhere, and he was going nowhere. I, w- I wonder if anybody listening, you ever feel like you're you're from nowhere, you're living nowhere, and you're going nowhere. And that's how Moses felt. And you know what? It's often when we when we have feelings like that, when when we're in a situation like this, this is when our heavenly Father comes in and shows up. When we admit those things, because we have no direction without Him. And so, when Moses fled to the desert, in his mind, you know, he was escaping the Egyptians. He was fleeing the Egyptians because he had just uh, murdered one of them. However, in reality, when you look at it from the spiritual vantage point, you know, our father, his father, was drawn towards his destiny, towards his purpose. And, you know, uh, I suspect Moses wanted to know his purpose, but you know what? Sometimes we are unsure where to start or where to begin, and I'm sure that was his uh thing issue his issue also he wasn't sure where to begin and you know the scripture says ask seek and knock you know I bet he was knocking and he felt confused and he was trying to decide or determine which door this should be open and possibly was even asking but he didn't even know really who to ask Moses you know he uh Possessed with many spending their lifetime seeking. I mean, many people, especially in these days and times, and actually through all the history, people are seeking fame. They want wealth and health. And Moses, he had all of those things, but he ran from them. He was famous, he was wealthy, and he was healthy. Yet in his heart, you know what? He counted those as rubbish. It was nothing for Moses to surrender with most of us or most of man, not saying you would spend a lifetime trying to gain. He just, he just gave that up. You know, that's what happens when Moses fled from Egypt, pursued the unknown. And I wonder, could you do that? Could you forsake all you have come to understand for that, for that, which is, Unperceivable to you at the moment um, Moses went beyond the boundaries Of what he understood to be Civilization Into the desert And eventually He ended up seeking a father And Our father You know He is always looking for people like this He searches the earth He searches the heart of man You know and it's up to us. Have have we ever uh have you ever had a situation in your life when you eagerly searched the one asked for employment? Um circling this is kinda in an old term, circling potential prospects or some people I guess these days we we use the internet searching <laughs> searching for jobs, you know. This is what our father does, you know. He is searching he did whatever not the internet he's not searching, but he's searching, you know, with his eyes and looking throughout the earth and searching our heart for someone who who would just immerse themselves in his very presence. Hmm. The question is some of us are we're not willing to lose our identity or what we think we we have. Then I ask you this question tonight to yourself, are are you willing to lose your identity? Or what about your house, your friends, and family? You know, Jesus, he encountered a man, and he kept all the commandments, but he was unwilling to lose his wealth. That's uh, recorded in Luke 18, verse 23. It says, uh, when he heard this, the man became very sad because he was very wealthy. And sadly, this is the state of many people in the world, it's hard to give up the visible, but we can see, taste, touch, hair, feel, and smell for what is invisible. Because it's almost like a form of death. But if we ever want to receive, we must give that which we hold there. We must give it up. What I'm asking is, 
it's a difficult step to take. It's easier, it's easier to say it than do it, you know. But I want to encourage everyone to take that step. And it all begins with a heart surrender to our Heavenly Father, you know. And if you yield to him in this way, he has so much more to offer you. Our Father desires for us that we lose our purpose in our identity, in our estate, the things that we have that, that are worldly, you know, and he wants to us to give up those things in exchange for what? The way he sees us, the way he views us, just like he was trying to get Jeremiah to see. Don't say that you're only a child, you know. And this right here, when you begin to take these steps, this is the only way you can actually uh, fulfill your destiny, and know your identity. Uh, actually, Romans thirteen fourteen says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So we have to clothe ourselves in Christ, you know. Getting back to Moses, deep down, you know, Moses, he had a, a dream similar uh, to um uh, more in more recent history, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Remember Martin Luther King Jr. He wanted to to free his people. You know, um, the the black people of America, the African Americans, they wanted to be equal. They wanted a, a freedom. You know, that that was withheld from them by the government of America, which was in recent times is really not wasn't that long ago. You know, but Moses. Many, many, many years ago, first before even Martin Luther King, he had the same goal or dream to see his people free. And our Father has also deposited in each of us a dream or a blueprint, and he's waiting for us to manifest it. Or he's waiting for us to, to, to dream those dreams so they can be manifested. So while Moses, while he was tending the flock in this place he would call the foreign place, the Holy Spirit, guess what he began to do? He began to draw him. And Moses walked up to the mountain of our father. And when he was tending the flock in his ordinary life, guess what? Something extraordinary happened. You know, uh, the supernatural, it, it constantly intertwines with the natural and a life of our Father's people, you know, those who love him. The question is, how many of us are able to recognize it, you know, when you have spiritual things happen, and at the same time as natural things, if you focus on the natural things, it's hard to recognize the supernatural, you know. If we sense our Father speaking to us, you know, how many of us will be able to move upon it? And Moses, he moved upon it. He could have stayed on his usual routine, tending the flock, but the Spirit beckoned him to come and find the truth. And the Spirit led Moses to a sight no man has seen since. How would you like something like that to happen in your life? The very presence of our Father manifested in an unquenchable burning bush. And during that encounter, our Father, God, he confirmed what Moses' spirit already understood. Because Moses already knew something within him. For years, Moses, he, he knew he, that he was a Hebrew, you know. That's why one of the reasons why he murdered or killed the Egyptian. Uh, Exodus uh, 2.11, it says, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them in their hard labor. And he, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew and his own people, you know. But there remained, even though Moses seen these things and realized these things, that he was a Hebrew and not an Egyptian, there remained a disconnect, you know, within Moses of his true identity and knowing his identity. And it wasn't until he encountered the Father that he was able to make this connection. Um, many of us know that there's greatness within us, but our our present situation 
it kind of refutes those thoughts. And this is when we need to word. We need to get into the word, and the word will propel us, you know, to where we're supposed to be. And this next verse, you know, that I'm that I'm uh, quote to you is it was uh, kind of amazing to me. Exodus three six. Then he said, "I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." And a very familiar passage you might have heard if you watch the Ten Commandments. That one right there is one that stands out. But when when the father said that Moses, he hid his face. And, and he was uh, afraid. And since he was afraid to look at our father. Now that's Exodus 3 6. So this is, of course, a very different perspective from when Moses was refer- when Moses referred to him as, as himself being a foreigner in a land of foreigners in uh, Exodus 2 2. It's talking about him giving. Give birth in, and he's I've become a foreigner in a land of foreigners, foreigners. But Moses, he he wasn't merely referring to his physical location, but uh, he was speaking of his identity and destiny. Moses' inner thoughts, you know, they they our inner thoughts were uh, play out in our actions, and his actions were saying, "I'm lost, and I need to be found." And fortunately for Moses, and even for us, you know. This is a place our Father wants us all to come to so he can mold us. Um, another powerful scripture is Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. That's uh, 64, verse 8. It says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father, and we are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand." That's what we are, you know. We're we're his art. We're his artwork. <laughs> we're his clay. We're we're the pot that he's molding, you know. On that mountain, when a father, you know what, he began to mold Moses. He began to mold his destiny by revealing his identity. And he says, "I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." Now Moses kind of already knew this. But to hear from the Father, <laughs> you know, that that's just information, mind-blowing. I'm, I'm not sure how you, what you say about that or how you describe it. But once Moses began, began to come into agreement with that and his identity, he knew his destiny awaited him once he figured out who he was. And actually, he became very anxious to execute or work out his destiny. Uh, Exodus 4.18 is uh, two chapters later, but it says, Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said, Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. You know. So for many years, Moses' identity again was connected with, well, being an Egyptian. But as he grew up, watch this, listen to this, Hebrews 11 verse 24 says, by faith, Moses, when he had had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Circumstances and people will always try to handcuff our purpose by giving us their own image of who uh, they say you are. And they they do this by your uh, they might use your education or how you how your physical appearance your economic status your ethnicity or cultural background or any other tool available they can use to imprison you you know to handcuff you but we have to refuse those things actually a scripture in Second Corinthians chapter ten verse five it says we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, making it obedient to Christ. So we we have to demolish arguments, anything that's coming against the knowledge of what our Father says you are. We have to take captive, those, captive of those thoughts, those words. We have to handcuff them, and we have to demolish them. 
you know. And Moses, he began to do that. And once Moses, again, agreed in his spirit with his identity, um, and he went back to his father and said, let me go and return to Egypt to see if any of them are alive. And he refused to be known. It says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, he refused to be known as uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He did all these things. It was it was a process, you know. And pe- people were still trying to like, hey, you know, he's Egyptian. He said, no, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm, I am a Hebrew, you know. <clears throat> so uh, as we demolish these thoughts, you know, with our uh, uh, according to the scripture of Second Corinthians 10 verse 5, we have to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ, you know. Uh, and it can be any situation or circumstance. Um, uh, an example from my life uh, that, I, that I, I, I can share with you is um, a, uh, a doctor's report I got many, many years ago about them saying that uh, one of the things was that I had a uh, heart, I was heart murmur, you know, and the doctors had told me that, and I, I was kind of sitting in the hospital room, and my mother, she was, she was worried, you know, because of the report that they had given me um, about our irregular heartbeat, and really nothing could be done to fix it, and. You know what I was I was young but not too young, you know, to know kinda of know and understand what was going on. But when the doctor gave me that report, for me it was already too late. You see, in my mind I had already been renewing my mind because my mother had been playing all these different faith teachings and confessing the word and I didn't really know I mean I was hearing the teaching. I was going. I didn't know that I would have a situation like that come up in my life, but I stood and I still stand on the promises of uh, physical healing, and and in my body and and the lives of those who are connected with my my friends and family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But anyway, that report that I got was when I was a young a young person. Anyway, six years later, I was uh, given a, a physical in high school. And um, guess what? The doctors again told me we have some bad news for you that uh, you have a irregular heartbeat. <laughs> you know, six years later, you know, still standing on that promise. And I'm, they was like looking all concerned and like, oh, this is so bad and horrible. And I've been playing basketball and everything. And, and still at that time, you know, I'm like, I'm still standing on the promises six years later. Anyway, it had to be another six years later that uh, I was attempting to go to the Air Force and they disqualified me, you know. And it wasn't because of my heart, because my heart was actually beating regular. <laughs> so that was a testimony, you know. They disqualified me because of my back, so I'm believing God for that right now, you know. But my heart, you know, it it was no longer beating irregularly. And my father had manifested his healing power to me, you know, and, and we, as people, I want to encourage you to, to stand, no matter how long it's been to continue to stand on the promises of the father, because we can't allow what people say, no matter how qualified they are to affect our beliefs and what the father has done for us. And we have to continue, like it says in the second um, not Corinthians uh, 10 verse 5 the scripture I gave earlier we have to continue to refuse anything contrary to the word of our father you know and I'm not saying don't do anything that the doctors advise that's why our father placed them in there he has given them wisdom understanding um, on how to treat things and use technology and that's all fine and good you know but even and within doing those things, we still have to stand on the promises that are in Scripture. You know that our Father has promised promised us. Um, and there's been many other cases. You know, I had to refuse the identity that the world was trying to place on me. I had 
to sometimes I had to because I wasn't very successful for a time in school. I had to not deny what my grades and transcripts were saying about my English skills. <laughs> I had to reject those thoughts about myself, and guess what? I ended up uh, actually writing writing a book, you know, and I and and was very successful in school and even in English classes later on in life, you know. But the enemy he specializes in flooding our mind with doubt. You know, the things that are contrary to the word that he uses, people, documents, whatever he can get his hands on until he uses it. Um, Isaiah 59 verse 19 says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. You know, so when the enemy comes and tells you, what he's telling me, for example, that I, you can't write a book. <laughs> look at your English grade or look at, look at your, 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 your transcripts. You know, college transcripts, this is college, you know. Look at them. You you was barely getting by. But me, myself, I had to fight those thoughts by saying, my Heavenly Father has given me a divine language that supersedes anything on my transcripts. My Father has given me understanding. He's given me the ability to write uh, from the oracles of God and, and gain understanding. <laughs> And we must refuse the enemy and use the Father's word, the scripture, the written word, to lift up a standard against it. And you know what? Our destiny depends on this action. It's a simple action. You know, a lot of times we leave our Bible so many places, it becomes dusty. But it's one it's one simple action. And this one simple action, you know, even though I'm saying it's simple, it's easy to open your word. But it, it's it's hard too because it's a spiritual fight. But <clears throat> our destiny, destiny depends on it. And Moses, Moses, getting back to Moses again, he refused to be identified as an Egyptian, and that refusal resulted in Moses being identified as one of the greatest prophets to ever walk the earth. Knowing your identity, as we we see in Moses' life, can have a great impact on your self-perception. Notice the key word here is can, because you can know something, but it doesn't guarantee you'll walk in such a way that your knowledge brings success, you know. And again, from, from my own personal experience, I faced this a lot of times in school, um, my family, as we were growing up, we constantly moved. We moved from neighborhood to neighborhood. We actually moved from Philadelphia here to uh, Missouri area, Kansas City, and 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 in the midst of uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City, we moved from neighborhood to neighborhood, school to school. And guess what? With each move, I found myself in a situation where I had to prove myself. I had to prove myself time and time and time again, not only to those who challenged me, but also I had to prove myself to probably my greatest enemy, which is myself, you know. I was always different from others around me, you know. My physical appearance, you know, it kind of it separated me. My personality, it separated me from everyone. And you know what? It made me a target to all different types of individuals. I mean, people who, who would want to a bully you, or just for different reasons, they they want to reach out and grab you and attack you. And you know what? As a child, I'm saying a child, but even as an adult, those things are very discouraging, you know. And especially when it's hard, when you can't really have the ability to blend in, where you just stand out like, oh, yep, we going after him. Um, but that can cause you to lose your confidence and your identity and the confidence that um, I had uh, once even possessed because I didn't have the confidence when I was a young child, but that right there, it just kind of like went away, left, left, you know. It seemed like a lifetime ago. Um, I almost felt like Gideon at a time in my life, you know. You know, Gideon, you remember Gideon from Scripture says that, that he hid from the Midianites because he couldn't connect with his identity. He he referred to being from Manasseh, Manasseh, the weakest tribe. This is a 
recorded in Judges chapter 6, verse 15. He says, actually, he was talking to our father. He said, or the Lord, he said, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, Manasseh and I am not only is uh, the clan the weakest, <laughs> but my family that's within the clan is at least out of all of them. So Gideon, you know what, he knew a lot about his genealogy. However, he lacked confidence in his present circumstance, which hid the greatness that was awaiting him. Uh, he had low self-esteem. He was orphaned and disconnected, you know. His experience was contrary to the stories of his ancestors, you know. Judges 6.13, he says, again, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over to the hand of Midian. So Gideon, you know what? It's like so many of us, we want to experience those things like, hey, he brought them out of Egypt. He can bring me out of Egypt. But right now it seems to feel like he has abandoned us. And Gideon and many of us, we want to experience the power and miracles of our Father. You know, sometimes people say that it's because you're lacking faith. That's not why you're. That's that's why you're experiencing those things. But I don't. I don't believe that is the case. I don't believe Gideon was lacking faith because, as a matter of fact, you know what? Gideon, he is listed in what uh, scripture many. Uh, People say is the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews 11, where they talk about all these people who had great faith. Gideon was in there. Gideon's problem was a lack of experience. Um, just like Jeremiah and Moses, Gideon needed to see himself through the eyes of our Father. And many of us, we need to do that too. So, um, you know what our Father, he does? He begins to plant seeds in Gideon's heart. And we see this when he says, y'all, this is a very familiar scripture, uh, Judges 6, 12, um, that is commonly used. It says, uh, you're a mighty man of valor. Valor. This is what the fathers, our Lord is telling them. So, but Gideon, he still, even after the father was saying this, Gideon was still having problems relating, relating to what the father was saying. And this is why he was continually asking the Father, could you confirm this, Father? Could you confirm this? Could you confirm this? I need you, I need confirmation, you know. And and he wanted confirmation, all this related to his identity and all of it related, to, of course, to his destiny. And, but I want to get back to this Judges 6, verse 12, where it says, the Lord says, a mighty man of valor. You know what made him a mighty man of valor? You know what made him a, excuse me, a mighty man of valor? The same thing that gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams or Samson the strength to slay 1,000 and Joseph the wisdom to prepare for the famines in Egypt. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not only with Gideon, but he was also dwelling in him. You know, our father, you know, as we look at his process of Gideon, we see him doing his thing, being a potter. He began to mold Gideon's self-image because Gideon was willing. And whoever's listening to this, I want to ask you, are you willing to let your father mold you into his image? Now, we talked about Jeremiah. We talked about Moses. We talked about Gideon. It's, it's other people in scripture, but what about you? Who are you? What is your identity? You know? Um, who am I? Well, you know what? One day was a nice, a, a, a warm day, and I was walking, we was walking the blocks with my aunt, you know? And we encountered one of her friends as we were walking, and the friend said, what kind of kids is these? <laughs> As she was talking about us, you know, because she had never, I guess, never really seen some kind of kids that looked like us, 
you know, because uh, we're we're um, and that was like back probably like in in early early seventies uh, or mid seventies, and we kind of like we had different uh, things within in our uh, um, we have different different cultures or different things uh, that that were mixed with from our DNA, you know, ancestry kind of type things. Actually, I recently did one of those and. I was surprised to see. Well, I thought it was something else, but I was some of those things I thought. But anyway, it was there was a whole lot of things there, you know, a mixture of all kind of t- type of things. They call American melting pot. But the lady was like, "What kind of kids are these? <laughs> I mean, what 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 are y'all? You know?" And throughout our lives, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, who who are we? Where where can we fit in? You know? But these natural traits, you know, they they you know, when you search that your family tree and your DNA, your ancestry, and even though it's okay, it's okay, you from the Philippines or or Europe or Africa and all these things that they have listed on there, but those things are nice and interesting to know. But they they cannot they can never lead me, you know, to f- fulfilling my true identity or my true destiny. I'm I'm sorry, they will never tell me who I'm truly am. You know, they won't tr- tell me my true destiny. And the same is true of us, you know. And no matter what what country you you're from, or wherever your ancestors are from, or what neighborhood you grew up in, your or your ethnic background, there I want y'all to know uh, that there's something far greater than all of those things, you know. Um, and we learn this from Genesis chapter one. You remember when uh, our father he was creating the world and the things of the world, and he called the soil, no, he called the plants, you know, out of the soil. I heard someone saying this, and he uh, he brought the animals out of the ground, and he created the fish and the seas, and then he called the birds out of the air. But when he began to form and fashion man, he called man out of himself. You, you, our earthly body, we know, is merely dust formed from the ground. But the invisible elements of us, the ones that the uh, the scientists and neuroscientists and all them type of individuals, they can't see or be measured because it's a spirit, you know. And not just any type of spirit, but it's nothing less than the offspring or the presence of your father. Actually, Genesis 1, verse 26, it says it plainly let us make man in our own image and likeness and we are told from that scripture you know and on that our father what did he do he blew the very breath of him into the first man so not only do you come from him but you were designed and formed in his very image and scripture you know he it points to this truth. Uh, if you uh, read John chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus was talking to um, the teachers of the law. He said, is it not written in your law that I have said that you are God's? Now, which scripture, I was like, oh, okay, which scripture is Jesus talking about? Um, one of the scriptures is, uh, I, I'm sorry, not Isaiah, but it's Psalms. 82 verse 6 Psalms 82 verse 6 It says I have said you are gods And you are all sons of the most high Also Peter In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 4 It says Through these He has given us the very He has given us His very great And precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of this world, which uh, caused by evil desires. So our Father molds us for something that only our spirit man can understand, you know. And what does our spirit understand? That brings me to the next question. If you... If you um, search the spirit deep within, you know, 
and I'm talking about you yourself, you searching the spirit and, and, and being con- confirming it with the written word, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's going to tell you. <laughs> and you will hear the spirit and he will say that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are royal priesthood, that you are a member of a holy nation, that you are ambassador, that you are a soldier you're in a mighty army, that you are ruler and judge. All of those are come from scriptures. And a written word, and and these are titles that probably some of you have heard before. Y'all may have heard them in songs. Y'all may have heard them in uh, uh, Bible studies. Y'all may have seen them on stickers or bumper stickers or posters. However, in real life, you know what these these titles? You know they seem what elusive, fictional, even hysterical. When we think about our daily situations, you know, how can I be a royal priesthood when I'm Walking around, or I'm, I'm barely having enough money to to, to uh, keep my electricity on, or, or or pay for pay for food. How can that be true? You know, because what the word is saying is not confirming the way I feel. You know, for for some time I was a custodian, and for me it was hard to feel like a king when I'm cleaning toilets. Even now I have a a much more what they might say a more prestigious position, but still I don't feel like no king, <laughs> you know, working in that position is or it's hard, you know. Um, the worst is that we're a mighty warrior, you know. But when I'm looking in the mirror, you know, I even unfortunately I haven't not had a fight in many many years sometimes, but <laughs> a mighty warrior, you know, looking in the mirror with the bloody nose, you know, all you know is defeat. These majestic titles that are placed upon us from our Father, they seem so incredible. But it, it seems like it's almost like a joke because why is our Father calling us something that doesn't seem real or seem like a lie? You know, and it's uh, because our Father, he proclaims what we might label as or see as impossible. You know, when we when we hear something over and over again, you know what our attitude is sometimes like, okay, yeah, whatever. I heard I heard that before. I heard I heard them that head and not to tell and all of that. And it's kind of like Sarah. Remember Sarah um, from Scripture, Abraham's wife in Genesis 18 verse 12. She says, basically, she says, yes, whatever you say, and <laughs> laughing hysterically. You know, that she was laughing because the father said that. Uh, she was going to have a, a child, you know, but we ourselves, you know, that was, that was, so she was going to have a title of what being, being a mother, you know, we must learn that these titles that are in scripture about us, that these are real titles, you know, these are real titles that our father is trying to get to us. Hebrews 11, 8, I'm sorry, sorry, Hebrews 11, 11 says by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was, even from when she was past the age, she con- <clears throat> since she considered him faithful who had promised. You know what? This is this kind of contrary from where Sarah started, because many many of us when we're when we're faced with the same situation, the same destiny, you know. We may start off going backwards because remember Sarah when she was laughing at first she ain't right okay now he was eleven eleven says that she was she had faith and a lot of times we are looking at where we at now like oh man I don't, I don't even know like that faith but if we yield to the power of our Father we will conceive what the Father has already called done. So our Father, you know, He has this majestic destiny for all of us. Um, the, the, so these titles that our Father has given us, no matter how wild they may seem, they are more authentic than any of your current titles. You may be a CEO of the company, uh, president of a country, um, president of, of some organization. Those right there are nothing in comparison to the titles here recorded in a word. And what helped me understand this concept was uh, actually um, 
reviewing or, or, or looking through the scripture at a glance of our future. And when I talk about future, I want to talk actually about a, a specific time in scripture. Um, if any of y'all familiar with the uh, scripture talks about the millennial reign, um, I know there's a lot of studies about that and, and debate about that, but I believe the millennial reign is actually a 1,000-year reign. Christ is ruling and reigning on this physical earth. And during this millennial reign, we have Satan being bound for 1,000 years in a bottomless pit. And we have Jesus literally ruling here live on earth. And it says that he's ruling with an iron rod, and he will rule with a group I believe is called the elect. And I believe this, this, the, the elect are, is us, which are people who have accepted Christ. But you know what? I, I often wonder, okay, we're ruling and reigning, but who are we ruling over? You know, Dorn, if you have studied the timelines in Revelation and Daniel, or the, the end time events and the sequence of them, during the millennium reign, I believe there are two types of humans on the earth. There's the first group, which are the elect. These are the individuals who are in their glorified bodies or their glorified state who have accepted Christ before, like, the the war of Armageddon, the rapture, tribulation, all the kind of stuff. These are all those people who are the elect. However, the other group of humans that are on the earth during that time, I believe these are the people who who were unsaved, and who survived the tribulation on Armageddon, who are and who are still living here physically on Earth, and I believe those people, the Scripture actually says, they will continue to multiply and fill the Earth during that time, and I believe we will be governing these people with Christ. Actually, Scripture also says that these a portion of these people will actually rebel and try to when uh, Satan is unleashed and try to try to um, fight against the uh, Most High and us during the end of the millennial reign, but I believe those people, that's who we are ruling and reigning over. Actually, uh, Revelation 19.16 is a scripture. It says, uh, on his robe and on his side is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You know, uh, so he's called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is referring to Jesus. Um, But this verse is you know, it's a very common term. We get who is the king that he's king of, and who is the Lord he's Lord of. That that's referring to us. We are the kings and lords. He's a big, the big K, the big king, but he's the king of the other kings, which is us. He's the Lord of the other lords, which is us, and we're ruling and reigning with him on earth. You know, um, that and that's so that's part of uh, our future. Destiny, you know, we will be in a sense kings and lords um, with our father and our older, older brother Jesus <laughs> over the over the universe. You know, there's much more more things I can go into and say about that. But uh, Ephesians two verse six and seven says, "And our father, you know, he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus." in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Additionally, you know what? There's actually going to be a um, a time, you know, where First uh, Corinthians 6, verse 3, Paul says that, uh, um, Actually, I'll, I'll read it to you. First Corinthians 6, verse 3 says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? So how much more the things in this life? So this thing, this right here, Paul is writing about, hey, you know what? You guys, one day you guys are going to be judging angels. But right now, where we're here right now, even though you're going to be doing that one day, guess what? You still have the power and authority to do those type of things right now. And I, I begin to meditate on that scripture and, and I begin to think about, you know, sometimes in, in this life we have so many things we face and a lot of things are caused by things we can't see, 
like fallen angels and things coming against us. And just, just think about this. Just imagine all those those spirits, you know, all those menacing spirits that have been causing you problems in your life right now, you know. We already know their fate. But imagine being in the heavenly courtroom and that fallen angel who has, who has caused you all these kind of problems throughout the years, maybe it was sickness, maybe it was poverty, maybe they snapped something from you, you know, and guess what? One day they're going to be standing before you in the heavenly courtroom. And this this angel, this fallen angel, you know, they have been trying to destroy your life or, or, or causing harm to you during this lifetime. He's going to be standing before you in, in the courtroom of our father. And guess what? Our father, he's not even going to judge him. He's going to ask you, okay, what's the verdict? And guess what? You're going to judge swiftly and righteously. Actually, Revelation 6, 10 says, and they called out with a loud voice. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge your blood? And that's that's actually talking about something different. That's talking about the uh, saints that are in heaven. This is before the millennium reign. But <clears throat> this right here, this part of this judgment and all these kind of things, you're actually going to judge the angels. And <clears throat> that right there is part of knowing your identity. And I'm going to actually uh, stop right there for this evening because we're only halfway through. <clears throat> halfway through it. But what I want you to take with you is um, about this a whole knowing your identity about being a royal priesthood, a holy nation, um, a king, a lord, and, and all these things, you know, we're still under our father, but knowing that same thing, he is expecting these things from you, not just in the future, but right now on things that are trying to manipulate your situation. You have to do second Corinthians 10 verse five. You had to demolish those thoughts. And by that's by constantly staying in prayer, staying in the word, you know, that, that is the main thing, of course, of uh, this book, Manifest Destiny, Tap Towards Wisdom. And also knowing your identity, we can only know who we are by really the only thing we have, of course, besides this, besides the Holy Spirit and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, of course, our Father in Heaven. But this word, this written word, you know, that is kind of like our bridge, our mirror, you know, into the... Uh, spiritual realm, you know, that 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 word is so powerful, you know. I know as many things negative things have been said about the scripture and positive things have been said also, but that word just un, it's unlike any manuscript, any book you that you will ever read. Uh the Bible you know it's we know it's the best selling book in the world, but also it's the most stolen book in the world too. So I'm going I'm to close out this evening, Dor- um, Dorothy. Are you still there? Are you on there? Of course, I'm. I'm still here. <laughs> All right, kid. That was. That was good. That was very good. And I have to wonder. You know, my mind works strangely. What it is about us as human beings that causes us to doubt what God is saying to us and about who we are and what we're going to do. And, you know, I have to wonder, because I did the same thing when he spoke to me about broadcasting, you know, I said, no, not me. I can't do that. I wonder what that is in, inside of us that does that though. Yeah. You know, that's, that's it. That is a, um, that is a great question. You know, it seems like maybe it's, it's just the our our uh, I don't know. Just picking up something like here, maybe our our sin, sinful nature. You know, not um, I guess in the beginning in Genesis it says that we were made in the image of um, the image of Him, <clears throat> and all these things, these beautiful things. I mean, our Father. I mean, when He created the universe, 
and even just we we looking around at the scenery of the world, like the mountains, and like wow, that's like a beautiful picture. Not even the artist, you know, can draw paint those things, but he's a creator and designer, and even like something like doing like a, a podcast or a broadcast. That that's that's a work of art that takes engineering and all these things, these gifts that our father has given us. I don't think sometimes we. We see it like that, <laughs> or view it like that, or we see like, oh, okay, that right there is for other people. That's for somebody who has skills that I know that I couldn't even comprehend <laughs> to possess or have. You know, like I, I, I cannot do that. I don't, I don't have that within me. I can, I can push a broom <laughs> or shovel, shovel some <laughs> snow, but like doing a broadcast. But thing is, we have, I guess, we have to remember that. That he and, and planted those things. I mean, he, he's creative, and he wants us to be creative. And this is like a creative type thing, what you're doing here. But it's still hard hard to retrain our mind to think like that. Yeah. So, it's a wonder. Um, yeah. It's uh. It's it's a it's a process, you know. Sometimes we you get so focused on it on it. even myself. I get so focused on what I can see, taste, touch, hear, feel, and smell. And I mean, this floor is a hard floor. I mean, I'm walking on it, and it feels mighty mighty real to me. Or when I lay on the bed, the, the cushions feel mighty real to me. But as real as the, real as those things feel, like the invisible, what what the scripture talks about is even more real than that and the things that he's calling us to do with these elements in the physical world. Maybe he's calling us to be the scientist or writer or, like you said, working in broadcast for yourself, using these things, <laughs> you know, but we, we don't think we can sometimes. And that's maybe sin, sin that just like from Adam, not the anything particular sin that we're doing or participating then just a, I don't know but I'd like to thank everyone again for uh, tuning in to the uh, the blog talk this evening for he- for heavenly places um, I'm, I'm your host again Jameer also if you I didn't, I, if you want the book, I'm, I'm still mailing them out. I actually was mailed out another book this week. Um, but if you uh, you can send me an email, you can go to my webpage, jameer.org, or you can send me an email, uh, drmerej, D-R-M-E-R-E-J-A-Y, at gmail.com. Um, you can email me, or also you can go to Amazon if you want to. They have the e-book on there. And actually, a physical book that you can purchase from Amazon, and you can do Amazon Prime if you have that. You can get it in a couple of days. <laughs> but I'll mail it to you for free if you want it. Um, again, thank you all for tuning in. I'll, I'll close out in prayer. Um, Father, I, I thank you for um, leading us, guiding us, and directing us this evening, Father. Um, Father, help us to know your ident- our, our identity, Father Lord. Um, help us to constantly stay in your word, Father Lord, so that we can know that who we are, Father, and feed upon your word and not feed upon things in the world, oh, Father Lord, or even our own thoughts that are contrary towards you, towards you, Father. So when the enemy comes or, or when our own thoughts come, we can uh, demolish them, Father Lord. We can hold them captive, oh God, anything that's not like you, Father. And Father, we can... Um, um, according to your words and promises, which says, by your stripes we are healed, O oh, Father Lord, that you was willing for our transgressions. I speak healing to uh, everyone who's listening, Father Lord, and their bodies, oh God, Lord, and their minds, and their, their relationship, their finances, everything connected with them, O oh God, that uh, you would be the healer, their the, the deliverer, O oh God, Lord, give them salvation, O oh God, Lord. The creation will go away that you would give them, oh Father Lord, with your word, your, that your word would be a light unto their feet, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, oh Father. Um, that you would be with your people this week, oh God, Lord, um, through this weekend, oh God, and protect all of those who are dealing with any type of issues, like uh, with, the, with the storm going on, Father Lord, and, and the things going on throughout the nation, oh Father. Just protect, be with your people, Father. 
give them provision, O oh Father. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. All right, well, so, I look, I Father look forward Black, to um, next week. <laughs> next week, yeah, I do too, to finish this up. This is a very good lesson. We need to get this one under our belts for sure. It it just, you know, enhances our walk so much when we realize yeah. who we are. It gives us that, that confidence, not necessarily in ourselves, but in him, you know? Yes. So. So have a blessed yes. week, everyone. And I will say good night, Jameer. Good night. Good night, Dorothy. And good night, everyone. God bless. <laughs>